0: I'm Alex Semenzato, and this is the CMO Podcast. This episode is presented by ELO, the Creators Network. ELO is a global community of artists dedicated to creative excellence, built by artists for artists. If you're a creator and you want to create a profile and collaborate with your peers, or you just love art and creativity and you want to check out some of the incredible works from all over the world, you can now by heading to ello.co. What's up, everyone? How are you? I hope you're having an excellent day and an even better week, whatever you've been up to. Welcome back to another episode In this week's episode, we are speaking with OJ Didi, who is the founding partner and creative director of Creative Content Agency 12AM. As a director based in London, primarily focused on telling real people's stories, OJ is fully committed to understanding his subjects and telling their stories in an unguarded and authentic way, with great respect for what goes into narrative-driven and honest imagery. OJ's worked across branded content, documentaries and music videos and we have a really insightful discussion in this episode discussing lots of topics from how technologies democratize creativity what it means to be free to create and develop your craft the process of developing and producing projects with the likes of nicholas kirkwood reserved and moet and hennessy producing maverick sabers into hope music video developing long-form content and documentary filmmaking Capturing emotion, energy and authentic stories, and finding inspiration from new and interesting places. This is a super transparent episode where OJ shares some amazing insight into his career journey to date. This was recorded in December last year, so there's some references to to 2020, but it's super interesting and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Hi OJ, how
1: are you? Hi mate, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks um very well how are you
0: I'm very good thank you so where are you calling from today
1: i am back in the homeland i am in ireland i am currently in quarantine quarantine number four three four so yeah i'm quite used to it now at this stage
0: nice Hopefully. and um Hopefully your mum's not listening to this, but you gave me some insight that your mum was a chef and you have some wonderful room service.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's been very good to be bringing up the food at the staff. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, Some might say I even came home a bit too early. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time to be back home. It's been a while, so it feels good to be surrounded by family and stuff again.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the SEMA podcast. It's great to, to get to finally record this. I know it's been in in, in schedule for a while. Um, as always, we love to start with some icebreakers. So mm-hmm. are you ready?
1: <laughs> yeah, as ready as I'll ever be.
0: Uh, all right. Nice and easy. Favourite colour? Uh, green. That's just, this is crazy. Everyone, on the, everyone that's listening to this podcast is going to be like, what the hell? Honestly, you're the sixth person in a row that said like green. <laughs> no, but well, I'm in Ireland. I'm surrounded by green. Yeah, that is true. You're, you're. I'm allowed. You're a, You're a valid green person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, coffee or tea? Coffee. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what Oof. would it be?
1: Poppers and trousers.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Got those Adidas trackies. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, just I, all in
0: one, just head to toe, pop it all up. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> breezy,
0: nice. What's your favorite item you've purchased this year?
1: Oof, um, I got one of those from so the Amy Leandore collection that they released.
0: It's oh, nice!
1: and incredible. Got one of their jackets. So you have to enter a lottery, and then you get. You kind yeah. of feel obliged to then buy it when you get selected, and you feel like, and then you buy it, and you're like, What have I just done? But, um, yeah, I love that jacket, it's it's yeah, it's been my favorite. It's like a fleece, nice, you know, absolutely freezing. So, it's been handy.
0: Make sure you're in style on your uh remote walking walks during the day. yeah, mate. Yeah, big <laughs> how do you like your eggs?
1: Uh, <laughs> Freud,
0: Something what's so your most used emoji?
1: jo um, so that one with the face that just is kind of all over the place, very confused. <laughs> that that is definitely my most used.
0: Amazing. And lastly, a quick fun fact about you.
1: Oh, fun fact about me. Um, I I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the most. I'm not musical at all. I come from a musical family. Well, my dad's very musical, but. Um, I've actually recorded at Abbey Road Studios. I'm on a recording, clapping all um, oh, the wow. time. But I'm, <laughs> I'm yes, I'm on a recording at Abbey Road. That's a
0: fantastic fun fact. I wonder, um, is clapping kind of in the same category as the underrepresented triangle?
1: Yeah, it's they're one of the same family. Yeah. Like you a know.
0: lunch break? Was it just the the triangle people and the clappers together? Yeah,
1: we have our society. I
0: guess, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that's the end of the icebreakers round. It's always good fun. Um, Let's get down to business. So, OJ Didi, creative director, film director, creative extraordinaire. How would you describe yourself and what you do?
1: Um... Yeah, um, I guess that's a hard thing to to summarize, but I'm a creative at heart and and always have been um, looking to just create things. But ultimately, I think my career is kind of forged into a coordinator of of people, I guess, bringing people together, bringing creators together um, and creating an environment for people to be creative and inspire me. Um, That's essentially what I always aim to do outside of any commercial benefit or or whatever that may be but the output and connecting yeah my friends and and people that have come to get to know in the industry and things like that that's what i enjoy most and that's what i find myself gravitating more towards um bringing people together and, and producing work that we can all collectively be proud of and over time gets gets better the process gets more seamless and we get more people Um, So that's what I like to think of myself. Um, If you ask my team, they might say something very different. Um, But yeah, that's that's ultimately what what I aspire to do, at least.
0: Awesome. And have you found, you know, that kind of technology has obviously democratised lots of things, but everyone can pick up a camera and it's, you know, quite easy to do now. I mean, has that been quite exciting for you, obviously, especially when you're looking at friends and others, just being creative people? What once used to be quite expensive and massive heavy equipment, like now actually... There's so many more people creating, so it must be like really exciting for you as a creative director to kind of tap into that.
1: Yeah, massive like, access is key, isn't it? It's just like everyone's got the ability now or the exposure to to so much more than probably I felt I had as as a teenager or uh, even in school that they had to have a creative outlet and, and that it is literally in your pocket or you can be like living in a city like london you're exposed to so much but even here in cork there's there's such a thriving creative scene now that you can be exposed and you can create and get an audience um and get people to see it um and i think people that are very proud of of their work and what they put out and they put it out with such pride and, and such detail um which I, I find amazing and i can be exposed to so much more so quickly um and equally with young creators and, and people coming through the industry that can do incredible things um, uh, seamlessly, things that oh, you probably had to learn or struggled over time, whereas these guys are, are taking it to a, yeah really easily and, and producing amazing work. And it's it it's incredibly inspiring to see. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a huge plus for, for Creative Outlet, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Rewinding a little bit, um, love to learn more about your career journey to date, old school oj you know where you always had your kind of eyes set on becoming a creative um yeah tell us a little bit about, about that journey
1: um yeah so i suppose touching on that a little bit further growing up here in cork and, and going to very traditional school and then i suppose the direction was quite traditional to go down the route of finance or yeah medicine or all these things that had very practical outputs um and that never really suited me in school. I didn't know it at the time, um, but I never really wanted to conform to that side of things, um, albeit what everyone else was doing. And I, I went and did study um, social science at um, university to begin with. Um, I felt this was a little bit of pressure on my peers where were attending university and I felt the need to go and I was fascinated by psychology. Um, but I didn't pursue it. I didn't finish it. I, I actually took up a job in Topshop, would you believe, um, which are all over the news currently. But um, I started it was, yeah working as a VM, um, as a visual merchandiser, and I found my first, I suppose, real creative outlet. Um, I found a place where I was free to create, to do things, to, to make changes, to shop front, to dress mannequins. And I, I found it fascinating at the time I I found really engaged with that ability and then I suppose the frustration that had built up in me that I didn't have this outlet that I found I then traveled all over the UK um, dressing windows for for Topshop and then found that my exposure to other people in the UK specifically they had these outlets these these opportunities and these chances to do different things um, that I was intrigued by made a lot of friends um, and eventually took the took the option saved up enough money um, and took the opportunity to move to the UK um, moved to Manchester where I continued my studies um, which I think was to keep my mother happy Um, but I, I continued working for a top shop as well working as a VM um, doing the 6am shifts while attending university in the evenings and then fortunately got the opportunity to come down to London for a summer um, chasing a girl I believe but I came down with the intention of going back to to Manchester and I started working for a brand that I I loved and continued to have great um, heart for, which was all saints. Um, And I started working as a VM there. And then I got very fortunate in this way that the very famous band walked through the door and um, I started working with them for about six months, never went back to Manchester, continued to work in London. And then ultimately off the back of working with that, Band, uh, All Saints offered me a, a job to work in their studio, um, producing content. They were they, one of the first brands to bring everything kind of in-house, and I was able to learn very quickly from a commercial standpoint to a creative standpoint, to production, um, and all of the above with the brand that I felt very close to, and a credit to Will Beadle and what he was doing at the time, um, I got exposed to everything in the business, um, from a performance marketing perspective, right through to production of clothing. And found my niche and found what I was good at, and um, found what I really enjoyed and what I gravitated towards and I was allowed that freedom. Um, which I then took on to agency. Um, and then following that, through frustration of agency and what I suppose my romantic view of what an agency should have been wasn't it when um when I started an agency, it wasn't wasn't all I had I suppose it wasn't the mad men life that I had, I thought it might be. Um so then yeah, I started my own and said, Why not? create a culture, create a place of work, create something that that I believed in. Um, and with the help of of Merriman and, and Mark Boyan and what we've managed to create, I was given the opportunity to, I suppose, very fortunate, accidental agency that was done on purpose, but was allowed to become its own thing, was allowed the time to breathe and grow. Um, and that's where we've kind of landed now. We have this amazing agency, this amazing team that produced the work, work they exactly we wanted to set out to do to begin with.
0: Fantastic. Um, just going back uh, to you working with that band, you know, from someone that was really expressing themselves and like, you know, the kind of hands-on aspect of being a VM, like that must have been like thrown in the deep end, like, oh shit, I- I'm VM, now I'm working with this band. Like, why you? <laughs> was it was it initially like dressing them? Was it like, what type of stuff were you doing? So then ultimately you get invited to like, you know, that's quite a, a rapid transition, like, okay, VM, work with Famous Band he's doing great stuff let's get him in-house to the studio at all sense.
1: um look at the irish man <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was i don't know it was just um i suppose they walked in I chatted to them they rang the store the next day asked if i could meet them but mostly it was he yeah, addressing them i guess i was approachable enough i knew how to put together an outfit for them let's say um yeah, and then it just went from there. But it, it spanned from everything from yeah, bringing them into Burberry for an enemy shoot, all the way through to finding the guy in the crowd that was completely stark naked and bringing him backstage for the second night. Um, so yeah, all, all of the above. But it was an amazing exposure, um, all the way through to video production and produced their, their music videos and getting getting to see that and how that worked. And my first time being on such a huge set. Um, yeah, it was just an incredible experience that I think it it felt like a blink of an eye and it was over. Um, But at the same time, it was a relationship that still goes on today, that when when they come back to the UK, I still tend their gigs and stuff. And it was yeah, an incredible first experience in London, not something that everyone gets fortunate enough to do. Um, But yeah, I was very lucky in the sense it was the right place, right time.
0: Yeah. And also testament to your character and, you know, being able to develop those relationships and you know for people to trust kind of your creative vision and stuff that's so humbling and rewarding and you know well done it's great mm-hmm.
1: um
0: so 12 a.m tell me more about the agency you worked on some incredible projects you know with the likes of maxi muscle eve sleep uh, Moet hennessy reserved nicholas kirkwood um and even harrod so um what is kind of the mission statement of, of 12 a.m <laughs>
1: It's uh, a good question. Um, but I suppose ultimately, yeah, we're, we're a creative content agency. Right. Um, that's what we are. Um, and we aim to cross the boundaries between advertorial and entertainment. Um, that that if there was a statement or something that was to be written above our door, that's, that's what we've always aspired to do, um, is to entertain. Whether that be through branded content or experiences or... Um, Yes, social media campaigns or, or whatnot. Um, it's always looked to entertain at the very forefront of what we do um, in an authentic way. Um, the ambition, um, I suppose, was always, I felt, and I still do feel that, like, creative agencies, are, yeah, work in silos or, like, agencies in general work in silos, whereas my ambition was to, like, I suppose, have coordinating a more integrated approach, um, and having a number of different revenue streams because ultimately that's what we're trying to do, but revenue streams that complement each other um and that work in tandem um they might on paper seem very different from influencer marketing through to post production through to um social strategy but it is very much about bringing all these together and, and having a collaborative um, working environment that each one informs the other um and that that's what the ambition was and what we, we do. What I feel we do really well is, is bringing teams together and producing work in, in an incredibly efficient way and, and something that is supposed to have the client and ourselves can have full creative control. Like I, I couldn't understand why production was being outsourced to other agencies that the client might necessarily have any oversight on whatsoever. Um, with production agencies pitching for creative research that have been one and, and whatnot, it just yeah, it never really made sense to me. I wanted to be involved in every aspect of our output not in a controlling way but something that i just wanted to make sure that we were meeting the standards that we wanted to set from day one as a young agency starting out every bit of work was so important um, and still is but it was just to make sure that yeah we were adhering to these standards so i was involved similar to all saints was involved in so much um across the board from like i said from the production elements through to performance marketing and it was about bringing an agency that had all these expertise with amazing talent, people that could do these roles to an incredible standard, but also be a hybrid across creative and, and work together. And um, not always the easiest people to find that are prepared to do that. But I think we've got an incredibly strong team that do it on a daily basis, um, and that that was that was the ambition. Yeah, and I think we've we've achieved it. Obviously, a very tough year this year, but I think even more so now. I think the need for what we do is is even stronger.
0: Great. And want to just delve more in detail to one of kind of the big projects that you guys worked on. It was like a multi-series of of, of short films, um, all beautifully shot and lots of variety. And uh, obviously, I'm talking of the Nicholas Kirkwood Soul Stories. Could you just describe what that was, the process of producing it, and the reaction?
1: Yeah, that that project is yes yeah, something that's very very close to my heart because it was an amalgamation of everything that we do. And the output I felt was was really the standard we wanted to meet and, and the result we wanted to achieve um, with authentic storytelling um, in its, its rawest form. And having a client like Nicholas Kirkwood, who gave us that freedom and that allowed us as an, an inspiring creative director himself and someone that trusted in us um, to create this project where, Nicholas was inspired by a multitude of things like, like most creatives, but he couldn't articulate it or felt he couldn't articulate it in, in a marketing strategy or um, a campaign that felt like a, a showcase of, of his influences um, into the production of footwear, essentially. Um, so we spent a lot of time getting to the, the crux of what this was. And we found five women that worked in five different creative industries that were shaping their, industry, their own respective industries and, um, where we're driving creativity um, themselves and five incredibly inspiring women that told their story on camera um, in an authentic way. It was never about, and by these shoes. Um, it was very much about these women, their careers, um, what they've achieved, what they aspire to go on to do. Um, and we just, yeah, rolled the camera um, and allowed them to speak. And it was refreshing to see how comfortable these women became as, as the stories went on and how they spoke so freely and the brand allowed it in post when we were editing you always have this kind of like fear that's going to be, oh change this change that and it never happened. um they were always 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 allowed to tell their story for what it was um and it never became a sales message fortunately with Nicholas Kirkwood and having an innate understanding of, of driving sales as well we were able to create a campaign that ran um alongside that um that very much did focus on Product and and driving sales because that's ultimately what we were there to do, but equally um, having the freedom to produce that campaign in in its truest sense um, felt great. so you had a five women from Phoebe who's a ceramics artist all the way through to um, Nikola Vasakova, who um, created girls in film, a production company focused purely on on women working in film, of which we utilized for the shoot so not only were these women that we were we were shooting um, equally the people that were championing these women were actually working behind the scenes on the set as well. Um, It wasn't just about telling their story and then leaving it at that. It was very much about integrating um, everything that they believed in into what we were producing from behind the scenes as well, Um, which felt great. And everything from directing to writing to styling to everything was a a 12am production. It was very much us. Um, And yeah, it it felt like a, a big moment for us to produce these semi-long form um, non-fiction stories um, of branded content, which is what we continue to do, um, or we hope to continue to do.
0: Awesome. And am I right in saying, was one of the videos, like it was actually shot part of the show, or was that a separate project?
1: That was a separate project, yeah. That was so, that was, Nicholas, yeah, when we started off Soul Stories, obviously it was a six-month to a year-long campaign, really getting into that. And we were allowed that time, which was quite refreshing get into the, the narrative and really get into these stories. But Nicholas was putting on his first show um, in and around the same time and he wanted, um, I suppose, yeah, just a, a, I suppose something to give to press of the, the show, the fashion show um, for Fashion Week. Um, but he put together such an incredible set and there was such depth to the stories behind it and the, the inspiration and everything that producing just a straightforward up and down wasn't really anything, producing anything... Basic or anything that wasn't, didn't give it its, its value, isn't something we do. So we looked at it from a slightly different perspective and created a short film. Um, Rose McGowan was the feature of it, an incredible actress um, who, again, we couldn't just showcase walking up and down. Um, we wanted to give that depth to what Nicholas had done and created this short film um, that was, I suppose, a slightly different to everything else that was happening in Fashion Week. Everyone releases um, their catwalk film. Um, whereas Nicholas released a short film that had um, an incredible narrative and incredible pieces to it. It also did showcase the the catwalk and, and the runway and whatnot. But we did a lot in rehearsals and did a lot in the days leading up to it um, and created something different, um, which is what Nicholas always likes to champion as well. Um, doing something scale out of the box. Um, it was a very challenging experience, but um, a good one. I think the output was really good as well.
0: No, oh, yeah, it looks fantastic. And uh, what a. What a refreshing kind of client to work for, especially someone that's like as creative as you, thinking outside the box, but then to have someone like Nicholas, who's like so kind of aligned and like, yeah, let's try it, you know, and doing, doing things that hopefully, you know, do achieve that cut through is super, you know, exciting to to be part of.
1: Yeah, an incredible, incredible, creative director and incredibly inspiring guy um, with an incredible team behind him as well. And yeah, we continue to work together and he's doing some amazing things in, in January in the coming year um, to keep an eye out on.
0: Awesome. And lastly, like on that, I think um, anything, whether it's jewelry or shoes, I think probably historically people are like, oh, you know, you just kind of shoot the shoe by itself or the piece of jewelry. But now, you know, with kind of much more of an appetite for long form storytelling or understanding more of the narrative of the brand values or the people that are that customer that wear that jewelry or wear that shoe, you know, it's now expected to kind of, you are going to see like the whole body and not just the feet, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and as this has to be more depth to, to everything we create. It has to be more thought out. Yeah. Um, yes, TikTok exists and it is an incredible source of creativity and then is limiting in what you can do, which inspires a lot of people. But ultimately, we need to be producing content that is speaks the brand story to begin with and ultimately engages with, with the audience, entertains. Uh, people don't necessarily go onto these platforms with the intention of buying something. Go onto these platforms to be entertained, um, to see something, to be inspired. Um, and brands have a place in that as well. I feel, um, and it's not necessarily always a sales message. There is a time and a place for that as well, of course. But yeah, creating more engaging stories with more depth. That's
0: yeah. And I think um, you know you're of an age that's grown with the digital era and kind of you know some of these brands they feel obliged to be on every single channel i mean what's your approach to your clients when it's like you know do we need to be on tiktok snapchat instagram do we need to youtube you know is it necessary what's your view
1: absolutely if you're good at it um if, if you're using it for the right reasons and you're have a tone of voice uh, you're it's, it's it comes natural do you know what I mean it shouldn't be this big boardroom filled with oh, should we, shouldn't we, what should we do? Probably if you're having that conversation at the beginning, you probably shouldn't. Um, if you have a place there, it, the audience will accept you pretty much immediately. Um, and if you don't, it'll be pretty obvious, pretty much straight away. Um, Instagram is obviously, as a platform, has changed and developed and been very much um, brand friendly from a shopping perspective as well. Um, but some platforms aren't necessarily there yet for advertisers. Um, but it just depends, yeah, if it, if it comes naturally to you and, it's part of your DNA. Um, if you're a heritage brand and you're on TikTok, it just, yeah, it doesn't really feel right, does it? Um, but I'm sure there's plenty of brands doing great things on there, but it's just, yeah, making sure that it, it makes sense, that that it, it it feels authentic, feels real, Um, that doesn't feel overly forced. That's what, where I'd start at least.
0: And, you know, obviously this year has been uh, quite hectic and, and crazy for everyone. I mean, lockdown happens you probably had a lot of things that were kind of in planning or development i mean what were those initial meetings for you guys and how did you you know help support your clients through the year um you know looking at you know you did some quite reactive things whether that be slow sunday with reserved or or the um the drinks at home with Moet hennessy so yeah tell tell us about kind of how you've gone through this year
1: yeah it was look don't get me wrong it was, it was very difficult um for an agency a lot of Brand lot difficult for a lot of brands. But difficult for a lot of people. Um, and like everyone, we, we all struggled. We looked to support our clients in the best way we could. Um, I think in in this situation, it was very much you're dealing with people at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? It isn't necessarily with the information that was available when first lockdown happened for instance it was very much an emotional decision Um, it wasn't necessarily one that was we had all the information we could do x y or z we we really had to speak to our clients on an emotional level not a a transactional one Um, and that's what we found we got a lot closer to our clients and really found out what was going on we're accepting of some budgets being retracted some projects stopping um, and, and really understanding that and understanding the reasons why um, and having empathy towards our clients. They, these guys wanted to produce these campaigns as well. It wasn't like they were taking something away from us. It was just the cards we were dealt and having empathy towards that and impatience um, throughout this process. And then it allowed us to, I suppose, yeah, we, we handled a couple of really interesting projects that we produced. Um, Mo Hennessy, for instance. Yeah, Moet came to us and, and their drinks at home service was born out of, out of lockdown. Um, was the need for delivering cocktails um, if you need it um, but it was yeah a service that wouldn't have happened prior to this um and something that we produce. With my doorbell um i can't even go because i'm in quarantine anyway um we'll produce this this content for them um for for this digital service or this online service um and that's that's what we did we, we just created we were allowed back on set we were allowed to produce um and created what we believed was the at-home experience or an elevated at-home experience and how Moat um, Tennessee became part of that, um, became part of this making life at home that little bit easier, that that, that little bit nicer. Um, is that again? Um, but yeah, that that was something that we're incredibly proud of and continue to work with them on. And, and fortunately, we're going to continue working with them into the new year And um, that. The guys are actually on set today. Um, I'm kind of Natalie's... Um, shooting some content for for that brand today. Um, And yeah, we're reserved and the Lazy Sunday. Um, Obviously, we looked at reserved and we've got a very close relationship with them Um, and their their at-leisure collection was something that like every brand really focused on and really doubled down on. Um, So we produced a campaign for them that, had again, we looked at more experiences rather than just the up-down of the clothing and then how that worked. We looked at a meditation experience um, with a a lady called Maud who created an hour-long live um, meditation for their audience. Um, Similarly, um, we created smoothie-making in and around the the collection. It was all parts and hand-in-hand. Reserve don't offer a meditation service or smoothies um, or workout videos, which was the third element. But we felt that this was what the audience were looking to engage with and that's what they were engaging with and the brand had a place in that and, and telling that story. Um, So we just, yeah, created that and did it all in-house and and produced it in real time and published in real time. And we had our little production studio on set um, that was color grading, editing, um, yeah, and and distributing as well. Um, We were distributing the content on behalf of the brand, um, which was, yeah, kind of, again, amalgamation of of everything that we do and do quite well.
0: Fantastic. And, yeah, I mean, pre-lockdown, I guess, there's a lot of discussion that like the importance of experiences and even like, you know, retail destinations, offering experiences, brands offering experiences, you know, consumers wanting more, they want to be more aligned with the brand and then COVID happened. And I think, you know, a lot of that stuff in person experiences, unfortunately, you know, were canceled because of the pandemic, but that, that key word, there, experience, it kind of, I think as humans, we want to connect, we want to be immersed, we want to experience. And um, it's kind of, great to see that although there was a challenge like it's kind of been overcome with more virtual events and digital experiences and kind of you know you see an increase in you know huge like augmented reality and um, virtual events and Travis Scott at Fortnite and stuff like that I mean are you starting to see more of that kind of dialogue with your own clients and looking at how we can do more of these type of digital experiences?
1: Yeah for sure like w- within Miramar, I know there's an exper- experiential agency that's doing something really exciting in the new year from an illegal underground rave perspective um, and how to produce that digitally and where we fit in within that and, and producing elements of these experiences and, and helping support. It's not something that we, I suppose, we ever set out to do. Um, we'll always support brands, but luckily being part of the Merriman network, we can support them at other agencies that do specialize in it. Um, we're very confident in what we do. We don't try and do things that we're not, not necessarily specialism in, that we're not best in class at. Um, but when it comes to producing content like longer form content, for instance, um, people are consuming content like the, there's at a ridiculous rate and, and engaging in, in longer form as well. And brands being able to create longer form, engaging content that isn't fluff—that's um, that's what excites me. That they're prepared to invest in real stories and entertainment and, and non-fiction content that has real yeah, depth to it and, and real intrigue and, and interest that can engage with an audience just like television network might engage with um, a certain audience or a certain age group, whereas platforms like IGTV and Facebook Watch and, and these other things and how we can produce that content and go into that space a lot more, a lot quicker than we might have thought beforehand um, because there is an overwhelming need for entertainment and to be entertained at home um so yeah that's that's what's quite exciting and and helping brands navigate that a little bit and seeing where their true brand stories are and what the audience actually really does want to see and it's not just investing for the sake of it that it is it is authentic and it does make sense um so yeah that's that's what we're doing at the moment which is quite
0: exciting awesome great great insight on some of those commercial projects with 12vm and um you know knowing that you have a personal passion of music and you know we obviously mentioned the kind of the famous band you'd been working in at All Saints but um, I'm not
1: recording this band was in Abbey Road
0: oh yeah with your clap in that's good <laughs> <laughs> um, but something that's you've been working on most recently is uh, with Maverick Saber and into hope for his music video and I don't know if you want to tell us about the the like the, the longer form project, but um, but yeah, it'd be lovely to understand more how that came about, what kind of the real focus was for that project.
1: Um, yeah, Mav is is a good friend of mine. Um, uh, an old friend of mine, I guess, at this stage. Um, and someone that's always inspired me creatively. Um, music and, and producing music and writing music is for me so incredibly inspiring and I'm always in awe of these people. Um always this creativity in its rawest form. It's it's true beauty in it. And there's there's no there's nothing else other than just a passion to create music. Um which I find inspiring and I find Mick particularly incredibly inspiring guy that produces, writes, sings all of the above and, and brings people together. Um I just think he's he had an incredible story. Um incredible story that's rooted in Irish heritage and Irish music, which I feel is having a huge moment um, or has been for, for quite a while now with, with new bands like Fontaine's coming through Kojak, um, Crystal Clear, these guys that have just blown up over the past year or so, which all of them start with they're Irish. It's very much very much about championing being Irish and championing that. And I've, I've always been fascinated as to why. Um, you don't hear... Scream or these other artists going straight on being like, Oh, I'm Scottish or I'm this or that. You always kind of find out after the fact, There's it always interested me, and it was a pride thing. and I suppose the diversity of people in Ireland, diversity of music, diversity of brain that not necessarily on a global scale might be understood or recognized. Um, so I wanted to dive into that a little bit more. And, and Mav is someone that has an incredibly diverse range of music from soul through to hip hop, um, like jazz traditional Irish music, um, inspired by so much that I felt he was um, a great anchor for, for this project. Um, and that was started off with that broad ambition that more and more time I spent with Mav and the band and people he works with His story became incredibly interesting and his, his move away from major label into an independent artist and that process and what actually is entailed as being an, an independent artist now. Um, as an artist that is incredibly established that has been around for, for 10 years um, but someone that's starting off on his independent journey now and what that means I found that fascinating so that's kind of taken into a world of its own and we've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time in the edit over over lockdown and um, we still have some more to shoot some more um, I don't know if we'll ever be finished um, but it's been a project that I always find great inspiration and in. I love coming back to it um, and I suppose yeah, it would have been naive to think that yeah, I'll do this for six months and be done and be out in the world um it's yeah it's it's been a what year and a half two year process so far um we're not quite finished and there's been an amazing projects like you mentioned into hope um was born out of it um a, a music video we did from have his his latest album um that was quite. So it was yeah, a cathartic process. The music video wasn't something I'd done in a very long time. Um, I hadn't really any ambition of going back into to make music video. Um, but when Mav chatted to me about the song, I'd heard the song. It was the only song on the album that I wanted to make a video on. Um, and he gave me the creative freedom to produce something that was very close to my heart at a time that I wanted to put something out there that, that had a lot of meaning to it. Um, for me personally, and equally brought a lot of people together from Pierre Duggan, who edited it, is one of my best friends from school, um, all the way through to Mark Wormton, we worked with on a lot of commercial projects, um, and the team that we brought in, along with the people that produced the music. Um, and everyone that was in in that space was a really, yeah, filling project. I felt, yeah, really positive and it was really nice energy in the room. And yeah, it was just a, a lovely experience, and as, as all production should be. But I think the output, we were all incredibly proud of. Um, and it's something that, yeah, I'll, I'll always carry with me through my career is something that I feel very close to. So, yeah, it's been been nice to have these these inspirations external to maybe the agency a little bit, um, to have personal projects I think is always really important and something I champion amongst all my team. Um, and it would be very wrong of me to champion it amongst my team and not show the way myself as as a leader, I guess, and have these projects myself that allow me to come into work and maintain my inspiration, continue to be inspired and continue to have the energy and, and to be pushing things forward. I think that only comes from exposure to the wider world. Um And, and for me, it's people um, it's spending time with other creatives, people in completely different industries that do completely different things. Um I've, I find inspiration in that all the time. And it's, it's very important for me to inspire my team to, to feel inspired by myself. So doing that project has been, yeah. Um, it's been an ever, I suppose the goalpost can't see moving on it. Um, with COVID, that's a huge part of live music. What happens then? Um, but looking back on the footage, even recently, it's like gigs where people are on top of each other and you're like, what, that happened? There's people backstage passing around a drink or whatever. And it's just like, whoa. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's mad to see that and, and to wonder when will we get to do it again. But I'm hoping to finish this, even just for ourselves and the band and, Everyone that's been involved in this project just to show them how good of a time that was. Um and such an incredible experience of great people, um, with true creativity in 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 everything that they touched, everything that they did, and, and just putting, I suppose, allowing the rest of the world into that, into the the, the tour bus, into the dressing room, into the backstage, into the sound check, everything that goes into it. Um, but ultimately it's a group of people coming together just to produce amazing music that ultimately brings a huge audience together. And it's that's what it's all about, um, just bringing people together. And I felt very close to that and ultimately what well, I suppose I aspire to do at some point um, at that sort of scale. Yeah,
0: But to have the access as well, I mean, I think when we spoke beforehand, it, I mean, it, I think it literally was just you with the camera <laughs> getting in all these nooks and crannies and getting the best shots and kind of, you know, really living that intimate kind of tour experience. So do you think by you experiencing it, really adds to the aesthetic and kind of the way in which you tell the story through the lens
1: yeah massively i think for these guys you have to remember that this is a band and musician that are going to work do you know what i mean um i know i don't know how comfortable i'd be if i went to work and there was some bloke over my shoulder pointing a camera at me um so being one close to the guys getting to know them very much before ever rolling a camera and knowing when and when was appropriate and when wasn't and moments of pressure, but equally trying to capture the rawness of it as well and not trying not to miss anything. Um, that was always my biggest fear was missing something or not being present. Um, or yeah, that, that was always a fear, but having the respect for them and equally them for me and then trying to do what I was achieved after the first few nights, I think it adds to the narrative of how I suppose the, intensity kind of it relaxed and everyone became a lot more comfortable and then things became a lot more enjoyable and I was very much part of that experience personally as in I felt when the band were nervous on the first night, um going out on stage all the way through to the biggest night in Brixton at the very end I felt that elation and that energy that 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 I hope is translated um through the lens in in what was captured. But yeah, an incredible experience that I'll hold on to forever, yeah.
0: And so into hope is you know you can watch that on youtube now that's a complete project but in terms of the 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 documentary i mean how long are you expecting it to be and you know what's your plan with kind of publishing it or distributing it
1: yeah we'll we're kind of myself and peter um my editor on it are we yeah we're we're in two minds at the moment where we're looking at it from what we have now and there is a, a beautiful story there and an amazing hour, it might necessarily be what we set out to produce day one. Um, but it, it is, it is, an, um, I suppose, yeah a collection of music as well. its it's you've got the best soundtrack, you've got one of the best musicians around that put a soundtrack to it. And it it's the picture is captivating, and the journey is captivating. Um, and it's just, I suppose, about having the release to be go, yeah, or right, it isn't what we set out to do necessarily, but it is this, and people do deserve to see it, and there's a time for people to see it. Um, <clears throat> which could happen very early next year. Um and then the alternative is, is sitting down with Mav again and going back to the original story and then going back to Wexford to his roots to, to where he grew up and filming this one chapter that we haven't filmed yet. Um and doing that, but it's been incredibly difficult for a working musician, a touring musician, to find time to go back to where he's from. Obviously around Christmas is the ideal time, but everyone's in quarantine and whatnot. Um so I don't know. I don't know. We I'd like to take it to festivals next year um i'd love to do that but then will festivals be happening like they used to where you get to meet people and get to meet producers and get to engage with people or is it going to be a digital experience which is completely different which i don't think excites me as much so i might just release it but then again it's it's partly up to mav as well it's a collaboration collaborative process so once we all sit down and review it and watch it and see if we want to add to it or if we want to put it out into the world we can see it but yeah, hopefully next year everyone will get to see it.
0: Do you find that happens a lot? Um, you know, not just this specific project we've just discussed, but, you know, you have your initial intention or outline of the story or the plot or the narrative, and then kind of the more you uncover and, and kind of identify these new themes and things, it, it almost becomes, it's like a kid in a candy shop. You're like, oh my God, there's this and there's that. And then when you get to post-production, you're like, I almost have too much or, you know, how do I kind of, you know, I want to stay true to that original proposed kind of narrative, but actually, wow, we've now got this chapter and this chapter we can add to. I mean, how how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, then that's what, that's what it should be. If it's authentic, that's exactly what it should be. Um, it's non-scripted. Um, you're going into a situation where anything could happen. Um, so I suppose you're aware of that when you're coming into post-production to begin with, that you set out with, yeah, you've got an ambition and a goal in your mind, but equally you surround yourself with people that that keep you true to that, that are going to have an objective view that ultimately know what you set out to achieve and kind of have an opinion on it and keep you honest um, and then keep you true to that or tell you when it's not working. Um, It's it's just, and that's where the strength where working with Sam and and Peter comes in from a production and, and editing perspective that, I can run with the story and I, I was the only one to, I suppose, fortunate enough to experience it, but they are very close to the narrative and the story that we set out to achieve. Um, and it's about whether that does fit. And I can go down and spend an hour in a f- five minute section and it just not work. Um, and I've got people around me that fortunately have the confidence to be like, mate, this just isn't working. And I, I have the trust in them to know that they're, they're pointing me in the right direction. Um, yeah, I don't think you'd ever be able to do it on your own. God knows what i come out with, but um, <laughs> having people around me that I trust—that, yeah—that's key to to this project specifically. Where a commercial project is quite different because you've got a goal, you've got a very set idea. It's very scripted to a degree. Even in Nicholas Kirkwood, even though it's completely unscripted um, nonfiction, but you still have an output that you're trying to achieve. Um, so it's slightly different. Whereas with this, we started off and we get fifty-two minutes. We've got 40 minutes of an edit. Now we've got some more to shoot, which would bring it up to 52. Or do we come back down to half an hour? I don't know. Um, but as long as it's interesting, if it's interesting for 10 minutes, it'll be 10 minutes long. Um, if it's interesting for an hour, then yeah, you know Um, But yeah, we'll start to show some people and get a bit of feedback and see where we are and take
0: from there. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to to see it once it's ready. Um, and yeah, I mean, congrats. on Sounds like such an exciting project. And you know, I think, yeah, it's so truly a labor of love. And I and I can just expect that, you know, that that heart and soul, not only from you being behind the camera, but as you mentioned, like the kind of a, the family and the network and the collective that you build around you that are, who are so passionate about it as well, will really shine through as well. So, yeah, hope, hope to see it on the on the festival stages next year um so we've talked about commercial we've talked about some of the personal on and how that kind of relates with 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 both and and the kind of osmosis i suppose um where do you find your inspiration from
1: um it's a tricky one It's, it's it's a tough question um very rarely do i have to proactively go searching for inspiration um I'm very fortunate in the team that I have around me that inspire me on a daily basis. Um, I have missed that connection. I have missed being in their presence. Um, and have struggled with that quite a lot. Um, not being able to eavesdrop on a conversation about someone's opinion on the crown. Um, or do you know what I mean? These, these things that you hear or pick up on, um, so that that's been tricky. That that's been difficult. Obviously, I watch and consume an unhealthy amount of film, I guess, especially over this this period. Um, I always find inspiration in, in different directors, directors that have done different things as well, like directors that have part of a photography exhibition, or directors that are painters, or um, screenwriters that have written a children's novel, or you know these things that these things that these amazing people that have done things that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to. Uh, I'm always fascinated by that. Um, guys like Garner, Bernard Herzog, who's an incredible director who's done sci-fi, all the way through to documentary art. Guys like Danny Boyle, who like can do train spot and, and then do the opening of the Olympics. Um, do you know what I mean? It's just such a, a phenomenal ability that you can transform creatively that i find great inspiration in those things and ultimately when it comes down to over this period I've, I've found great inspiration in my family um and the strength that they have and my dad is a, is a writer as well and, and what he's produced through this this period and what they've all managed to achieve i find great inspiration in that too um which might not necessarily always be from a creative standpoint but just in energy and productivity and being forward thinking and, and things like that so yeah it's it always will come back to the people that I surround myself with um, and the people that I'm around. They, they're the ones that will inspire me. Um, you, Alex, you, you inspire me on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's it, mate. Ultimately, I think to, to answer the question in short, I know I've kind of waffled around it, but yeah, it's, it's the people. I'm very fortunate with the team at 12am have been with us since pretty much day one. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, because I, I like to think we all inspire each other. Um, all come from very different walks of life. I think that the the diversity within our team and then within our group and whatnot, I find that really inspiring. And then, yeah, the diversity in what I consume, whether it be the killing of a sacred deer, which is the film I watched the other night, which is an incredibly strange and magical film, all the way through to a, a documentary with Michael Winterbottom on the road. um do You know, so yeah, the diversity in what I consume is what I find inspiration.
0: Yeah. And you're a big sports fan as well. And, uh, you know, you have a love for some of the, you know, there's been some incredible sports documentaries on, on Netflix, you know, the last dance and even, um, you know, QB one and stuff like that. I mean, that, that is, I think, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth now, but from the discussion mm-hmm. we've had, it's like, you like them because it is it's rawest form of storytelling. These are people doing it right. They're like, you know, you're there, it's raw. It's like, you can't get more raw and real than that. Similar to, I guess, being on stage as a musician.
1: Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, as in sport is always something that's going to be close to to my heart from as a child growing up playing football and having aspirations to be a footballer, um, which were dashed. Um, But yeah, I've I've always gravitated towards from a personal interest perspective. is yeah, sports documentary and just the the raw emotion of competition um, and how different people react like. Michael Jordan versus his competitors and how they reacted. And then it was a great technique done by the director in that, where he showed interviews that were carried out on the iPad um, that I found fascinating, that he was able to react in real time. That a guy that's been media trained within an inch of his life, he's been surrounded by cameras since he was a 16-year-old. How do you break that wall down? How do, you, how do you get beyond that? And it was such a simple technique to show him an interview of, of one of his competitors talking. And that really triggered him and it showed the, the rawness of, of Michael Jordan. Um, and, and yeah, just, uh, I always find those techniques and fascination in those elements, cause sport can be such a roller coaster of emotions, um, from the elation you get from winning, um, all the way down to yeah, the heartbreak of losing. And similarly with musician to a degree, yeah. Um, a huge audience and a huge crowd. All the way to being back on a tour bus and you absolutely exhausted, traveling to the next venue that might be a Monday night in Nottingham um, with 500 people. Do you know what I mean? Um, and coming down off that, and it, it is very much a roller coaster as well. And, and never allowing negativity to get in within the space of whether it be a team or a band, and being a protector of that, um, and seeing that in in its truest form, true documentary, true nonfiction. Um, i i find fascinating Yeah, i always gravitate towards it
0: at the moment how do you measure success what are your metrics
1: Oof. um it's a question i've, I've asked myself of my asked of myself a lot I suppose, lately um because you do have to reflect and i suppose we've been given the time to reflect um of what you set out to achieve and achieving it. And the agency was an ambition of mine always. I've never been forced to or take a moment to look back and go, yeah, we've done this and create, it's always to try and aspire to do more. always wanting more, always been hungry for more, um, which as it's, it's positives and negatives, it, it certainly flows through me from a personal perspective as well, always demanding a lot more, um, and wanting more of myself. Um, so measuring success for me has been very, very difficult something like I haven't necessarily been able to articulate or quantify um, yet um, I think I measure it in certain things people set up goals at the start of the year and then do these things I've never done that um, maybe I should and then maybe I can tick them off a list um, but yeah I know I want to put out work that's that's mine That that is is truly mine um, and that would be a measure of success if I if I can put something out that engages with people outside of my friendship circle. Um, that for me, that that'd be successful. I can entertain people that, and just me, my mum, and the dog. Um, then yeah, I think I'll I'll find success in that somewhere.
0: Every day, OJ, how do you stay productive and keep focused?
1: Um, again, similarly, um, sorry was repeat the same answer, but it's it's the team that I have around me. I think if I didn't have that team. And like I've, a lot of my friends are freelance directors and work very much on their own. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've got an agency and a team behind me that keep me in check. Do you know what I mean? They they, they don't, they have great aspirations. They, they're really passionate, driven people and they expect the best from me. Um, and I feel a duty to them to be able to produce the best work, to to engage with them, to keep them as part of my team. So they push me every day um and keep me focused and keep me motivated without them i'm not sure i'm not sure i'd be able to i think i'd be distracted by the next sports documentary that comes out or whatever but um yeah i think there's an expectation from these guys that that drive me and i feel a duty to them yeah to to make our agency a success and to grow it and to drive things forward that these guys are proud of their work and i have a part to play in that um yeah that's what keeps me focused
0: but I guess what I'm trying to get to is like how you get to your flow. How do you, you know, do you need to lock yourself away in a, in a library? Uh, you know, you've got to let these kind of thoughts and the objectives kind of foster and, and, you know, think, I mean, how do you get into that flow state for you to really, you know, not only direct your team, but also come up with some of these great ideas?
1: Uh, it's, it's quite simply putting down my phone. Um, my phone is, is, yeah, just such a distraction. Um, like running an agency there's there's a lot to it Um, I never thought my life would be focused on emails but there's there's days that it is but putting down my phone and then having time to put down my phone and actually get out of the house is a big thing I used used to find great inspiration in travel Um, I used to love travelling and even working and travelling like whether it be um, going to Jamaica on a holiday slash shooting a music video I found great inspiration in that obviously we haven't been able to travel recently, but just getting out of the house and walking without a phone, music is a huge thing for me to help me switch off from the one side of the business side of things and puts me in a more creative mindset. Um, and that, that helps a lot. Um, but I, I always find if I force myself to do it, if there's like, all right, I'm going to close the door now and I've got two hours to do it. It's never going to happen is it? um, if I've got a project or something on that I'm allowed the freedom and time, um, to find my own groove in it and find my own, I suppose, passion and energy towards my own rhythm. Um, that's, uh, I will find it, and it'll come in a multitude of, of, of means, but generally, yeah, put the phone down, put the phone down and, and yeah, pick up a pencil instead.
0: I've actually referenced you a couple of times in some of the recent podcast episodes, because something that really has stuck with me, um, forever I mean I guess since we first met and kind of I remember you know you telling me about your creative process is like you know especially in the the field that you are you know being a creative person obviously you have that freedom and that flow especially with the personal projects and 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 things and but I think sometimes in an agency world it's like an expectation just to generate ideas on the spot and I always remember you not having any of it (laughs) and really you know pushing back because ultimately you know the great ideas don't just Get thought about in an hour. I mean, sometimes the you can have those eureka moments, but it's it's important. You know, th- this stuff has to you know takes at least a week or, or two or more. You know, it's for these things to really develop.
1: Yeah, where where would that? I think. Um, yeah, pressure cooker is is yeah. You're never never going to create the best work. I'd, I'd rather not create it if it's not going to be great. Um, and some projects, yeah, as an agency, we were exposed to multiple brands, brands that you feel very close with are like Nicholas Kirk, I've never worn women's shoes, but Nicholas as as a creator, I was very inspired by him. So it came quite naturally and authentically. Whereas a brand that I have very little relationship with or find it hard to break it down, it might take me a little bit longer to understand the, the root of, of what they're trying to achieve. Whereas some of the team, fortunately, we've given the range of people we have might know it a lot better than me um, and be able to focus on and I just give them that time and that space um, without putting them under under pressure. Um, yeah, it's never going to work, is it? Um, but yeah, we are under time constraints to produce the best work we can and if I truly believe it is the best work that if it might yeah, it might be able to do in a week, even if we're given a month, it mightn't get any better. Um, but I'll take a very objective view on that and then have a real honest conversation with our creatives and, and myself to make sure that it is the best work we can do or if we do need more time be confident enough to ask for it if i know that the end result is ultimately going to benefit the client and ultimately the audience
0: yeah absolutely on the in the field uh what camera do you use what's your favorite piece of equipment
1: i've got a love for um a little film camera i have a little context t2 that I'm very close with and I have a lot of memories with. That probably is my go to for anything, whether it be meeting someone or taking initial shots or um just even traveling. That that is yeah, one thing that I hold very close to my heart. Um some of the other guys on my team would be like screaming going this, 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 which is great. And I, I've been fortunate enough to have some of the the best equipment to shoot with. And I've been very fortunate to work with people that have access to, to this equipment that I can use um, from cameras, but it ranges massively based on the project. Um, but for personally, use see, I, I like shooting still photography on, on film, which um, I developed a film from, I found it at the bottom of a bag, and it was last Christmas. It was um, a bit of a we had last Christmas, and it was just nice looking back um, over the images. And it doesn't take anyone to just point and shoot. Which I like. Um, you don't get too distracted in the technicalities of it all.
0: You shared a lot of great insight uh, in this discussion, but what advice would you have for a young person looking to get into the creative industry?
1: Um, I suppose from from my background and, and the way I came through and, and ended up where I was was. Yeah, a very fortunate kind of accident, I guess. Um, and for me, and which might necessarily be right for everyone, but for me, it was just being exposed to as much as possible. Um, like from dressing mannequins as a creative outlet all the way through to directing feature-length documentaries. Um, like, and everything in between. Like f- fashion shows to events to sporting events. Um, just, yeah, just trying to not get pigeonholed. Um I always come back to the Irish school curriculum very broad. Um, it's you do up to eight subjects for your leaving set, which is your A levels or whatever it might be. Um, whereas you it's much more defined in the UK okay? very early on as like a uh, fifteen, sixteen year old you suddenly stopped in geography. Um and things like that. It comes very defined for a creative. I think you need to open that up again and expose yourself to as many different forms of creative as possible, from photography to film to um, ceramic work to yeah, London um, particularly you've got the most amazing galleries in the world you've got one of the best creative studios in the world in the BBC you've got exposure to so much and just not being afraid of, of looking at things that might necessarily engage you to begin with um, you might find an amazing story in the artist or you might find um, a book written by an amazing screenwriter or whatever that may be, um, that you you're open to to being exposed to as much as possible and, and not being closed off to other people's interests. Um if a friend is into pottery making, that you might experience that and, and you'll find your niche eventually. Um but all of it will inspire um ultimately what, what route you go down, I think. That's what happened for me at least.
0: And what are you curious about?
1: Um I'm curious about Hmm. I'm curious about lots of stuff. Um but I'm very curious about how these huge studios, these huge Hollywood studios, how these are going to continue, how these these big blockbusters are going to be received. I'm very curious about how the world of cinema um may or may not change. Um equally theater. Um I'm very curious about how these art forms are going to be distributed and how people are going to receive them um that i've, I've yeah i'm quite curious about that I, i'm i'm I hope like part of me always feels like oh, i hope it just goes back to the way it was um that's what i liked but it's not to say that change is always good right um so i'm very interested to in see uh the distribution of of these art forms and how they're going to get people to, to see them and engage them and enjoy them um I'm very curious about that
0: yeah and i think you would have seen that recently Warner brothers kind of announcing with HBO max yep. that on, you know, they're going to stream all kind of releases next year. And, and, you know, Christopher Nolan's not happy about that at all. Cause he's, yeah. you know, he's a, cinephile, isn't he? Yeah. Interesting. Well, sadly that's the end of the episode that you've been absolutely fantastic. OJ. Um, anyone that wants to find out more about 12 AM or your social channels or how, tell us what the, what that is.
1: Um, 12 a.m is probably yeah we probably need to update our instagram to be fair um we're not the best at marketing ourselves which is a good sign of being busy i guess um but that's instagram and that's we are 12 a.m um and my personal instagram is ojdd just at ojdd um and i think a lot of my work's up there sporadically but i'm not exactly the best to promote myself either as you well know but um yeah that's where you find me
0: fantastic well we look forward to seeing some of the exciting projects you have coming out soon and thank you so much
1: cheers man thank you
0: bye thanks for listening i hope this podcast can intrigue inspire and provide some key tips and tricks for a lot of people i would really appreciate your help to grow the community if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast then please send it their way And if you can subscribe and leave a review, it would mean so much and it really supports the show. Thank you and see you next week.